0: Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 2 Thessalonians 2. It reads, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, to not be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved." Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that they may be condemned, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. All right, back with us here in chapter two, we have Kyle. He is already kind of laid out for us. This is another one of the C's is what he's using for us to understand what Paul is trying to explain to the Thessalonian believers. And so we move here to this thought of correction, and we have Paul trying to help give clarity to something that they're struggling with, honestly. And as we think about that here, draw our attention to what it is that he's trying to correct, and then maybe the importance of correcting false beliefs for us to be able to rightly live in light of the gospel in our lives. So Kyle, help us walk through that today. Yeah, Lee, so just trying to unpack
1: that question, we need to really just look at the context of what is happening right now. You see, Paul finds out that's People are spreading false doctrine under his own name. They're spreading it saying, Yeah, this is what Paul is saying, so you should be in fear because the day of the Lord has already came. Like it's this whole thing. And the people don't really even think twice about it because they're already concerned, they're already needing that comfort that we just talked about. And so they're vulnerable. And they really just they need assurance. But instead, they're met with, man, the guy I was looking up to, Paul, he's actually giving me more fear. And so you have to think, if this is what is going on right now, how does Paul address that? How do you address and correct, right? Really, it just comes down to, this is what's going on, and how do I fight it? The what and the why. So what is it? We just talked about it, but the why behind it is we need to be accurately proclaiming the truth about the word. And if that's not happening, then not only are we being deceived, but we are also misrepresenting Christ's name. And so it's very seriously because they were leading many, many people astray. And now Paul has this whole situation on his hands. So I think that's kind of how we need to look at it when we're looking at an issue and how to correct it is first, what is their issue at its core roots? What is the issue? And then why is this going on? And then you can
0: ask the question, once you have those two, of how and who can help me. That's really great, Kyle. You've given us a practical way to walk through that. What's going on? Why is it happening? And then how do we correct it? And who can be a part of that correction? For us, we have that here in this chapter. Look at verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So the error is the deception that's coming in, and they're saying that it's these other things. So how are they going to correct it? By going back to the truth of the gospel that they know. The same thing we should be doing as we look at those things. And he says, hey, you know who's going to walk through that with you? It's me. I've already done that, and I've given you a letter, and now another letter to help you to see how you can do that. And so that's great that you've given us that practical opportunity to examine things in our lives, to walk through that. And so Do you have people that you can bring these questions to, who can help you to unpack the gospel truths in your life, to define and to develop the gospel tools that you'll need to be successful in walking with the Lord? Because that's a huge aspect of what is going on and what's being demonstrated for us here in this verse. Now, a lot of you are like, wait, you guys just skipped over the whole discussion of what's happening. No, we haven't done that. We're going to get to that right now. But... The big picture is if you're going to walk away with one thing from this chapter, how can you correct errors or possible errors in what you are believing as gospel truth? How do you develop that discipline? That's the most important facet of this chapter. It's not the timing, it's not the naming, it's not the specifics of what's talked about here that they're going through, but it's how you can reproduce this ability in your life to be discerning, to be wise, and to be truly standing firm in the truths of the gospel. That's going to be what allows you to be most successful. But now, Kyle, let's talk about the man of lawlessness. Who is he? What's taking place here? How are we supposed to understand this in terms of this letter and the totality of scripture? Well, Lee, well,
1: Big thing. So let's break it down. Like we always do, we're equipping to study the scriptures. And so if we look here, he uses some some names for the man of lawlessness. He's a son of destruction. He's a a son of sin. He's an object of worship. He's so-called God. So there's a lot of names to describe this guy that seems very powerful. He's powered by Satan. So man, let's dig into it. I mean, So how I kind of was looking at this is you have kind of the man of lawlessness throughout the Bible. If you see Nebuchadnezzar or the the king of the north or any one of the Roman emperors or King Herod, like all these guys that are doing one thing, they're setting themselves up against God and God's people, God's mission. And they think that they can win, which is hilarious. But is something that we can draw from because they they do quite a bit, and they do quite a bit of destruction in just the Church of Thessalonica. So, Lee, looking at this, how are we to approach what is seems to be like an Antichrist, and how can we approach that in a way that is biblical?
0: Yeah, and I I love how you've taken us back to in the scriptures in some of these things. You know, another one that pops straight into my mind because I've written on Judas is Judas is called the son of the destruction, the son of perdition. But it's not necessarily true the other names that are in here. And when we look other places in scripture, we see that there are other many antichrists. And then there's a person that is referred to as the antichrist singular. And so as we look through this, I I think we're really pointing to that same person that we heard about in Revelation 6, the rider of the first horse, the messianic pretender. And so this is a person that's setting themselves up against God in all things. And the greatest thing is, is that he appears to be the one who is supposed to be followed up until the point of the apostasy, up until the point where he turns his back on Jesus in those things. And so as we think about that, it's not that this is describing Satan, but this is a messenger or a person from Satan who is trying to deceive people. But whenever we get into those types of discussions, Kyle, the first thing on people's mind is, great, let's figure out who this is. Let's figure out the timing. Let's figure out all of what else is going on. Let's remember that that's not necessarily the focus of this epistle. Paul is not writing to tell the Thessalonian believers, here's the five-step process for identifying the Antichrist. No, they're going to know who he is because they've seen many people who do those same things. People like you've pointed our attention to already. These people who set themselves up against every God and everything, including the true God. And they are already at work. Verse 7, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It's already in that process because Satan is constantly trying to work through trying to defeat God. And he thinks he's winning. He thought he's been winning at so many points. But the message of revelation and the message of comfort that Paul has given to the believers here is God wins. Yes, this is happening we don't even know the totality of the error and how it was portrayed to them because we just have paul's response to it here but there was probably something to the extent of they felt hopeless because of what was going to happen and so he comforts and he corrects and he brings them to this point that their faith can be built up and that they can know for sure that god is the one who is in control even though these many things are happening. And for them at that point, it could be that Roman emperor who's bringing about this widespread persecution that appears to be the man of lawlessness of their age. But we know in the grand scheme, there will be many of those people who are setting themselves up against God. And they're to understand that that activity of Satan and the false powers and the false things of the world is going to not be continuous. It is not going to endure through the end of the age because victory will be determined. So stand firm in your faith. Walk in accordance to that so that you're able to withstand the fiery temptations and the trials and the flaming darts of the enemy that are going to come because you've set yourself up and you've taken a stand for the gospel. And so there's so much going on here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. There are many other things that you could jump into and look to do further study on that would help you to see some of those things, even walking through those names that are there, looking at some of those leaders that Kyle drew our attention to, developing a greater picture about what the continuous strand of opposition to the true redemptive message of the gospel is throughout the scripture that would be very profitable for helping you to see what Paul is trying to do here. And so whatever that question is that you have, seek out that answer. Do that in the aspect of community, that who is helping you to understand how to correct and how to grow and how to develop your beliefs in scripture so that you are able to withstand everything around you and to stand fully firm in the gospel. As you do that today, know you were loved.